Thank you for hitting the download and subscribe button on iTunes and Google Play. This is Steven Jensen. You're listening to the Fight Talk Podcast. Today we are doing UFC 220 predictions here on the show. And I have my stepbrother, Ryan Litto, with me once again to break this card down. We're going to touch on the three, um, I guess you'd call them the three undercard fights of the main card. We're not going to talk about the prelims on this episode, but we are going to talk about the three undercard fights on the main card, and then we'll go into detail on the uh, heavyweight and light heavyweight championship matchups. Uh, before we get started, Ryan, let the people know how you've been since last time, man. Just living the dream, man. Just another day in paradise, you know, just kind of hanging out and working, and that's that's pretty much it. What's the uh, what's the weather like in Atlanta right now? Are you guys getting any no snow? It's cold as fuck. It's uh, <laughs> freezing. It's supposed to snow today, and uh, yeah, I mean, haven't been able to ride the bike at all recently just because... I'll go down to about 35 degrees, but anything below that, I'm not getting on that. So, gotcha. It's, it's been cold, and warm weather's supposedly coming this weekend. So, there you go. Yeah, it, snow's coming down big time here in Nashville. Like, I'm looking out my window right now, and it's like, this is the most snow I've seen in a while. It's like all over. Yeah. So, like, my roommate's got the day off work. I do this pretty much every day anyway. So, this is just another day, but it's coming down coming down pretty big i'm actually really surprised at how much it's known but anyway uh, let's uh let's talk ufc 220 um before we started recording you were mentioning that you looked into some of these guys like kind of did a little research on uh some of these fighters from the undercard of the main card it sounds so weird saying that but uh can you just elaborate on kind of like what we were talking about before we started recording and your interest in some of these fights before we start breaking it down yeah, well, just to kick off the night, they're going to have Thomas Almeida, who's a top, you know, five bantamweight contender. Even He's ranked number 10, but, I mean, come on. Like, his last two losses are to Jimmy Rivera and, and Cody Garbrandt. Like, there's no shame. In, and he lost a decision to Rivera. So, I mean, there's no shame in losing to either of these guys. I think he's a great fighter. I think, you know, if, if given the right fighters, he's going to work his way back up into the top five and, you know, will he ever be champion? Maybe not. But right now, in this card, he's going to be fighting a guy named Rob Font, who's coming off a first-round guillotine loss. Um, so I, I just, I, I think this is the fight they're giving Almeida to kind of get his bearings back and start working his way back up to the top of the division. Because again, I mean, I know it's, you know, they got him, I think, at ten right now, and it's easy. You know, he's lost two out of his last three fights, but but you're talking about losing to again Jimmy Rivera and Cody Garbrandt, so. I don't really see any shame in either of those losses. And, and I think Almeida's proven to be a great fighter otherwise. So, Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, <clears throat> the last loss of Rob Font's career, which was his last fight against Pedro Munoz, or Munoz, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But he did lose by guillotine choke. And Thomas Almeida is a submission specialist. So, you know, knowing that there's a guy in there who can potentially be submitted by a guy that I really don't even know much about. And then we got Thomas Almeida, who I know very much about because, once again, of his, his skill set and his submission game is is slick. He's been in there with some of the best guys. <clears throat> I mean, obviously losing to Garbrandt and Rivera, not a huge deal. Those guys are two of the top in the division, obviously. And Rob Font, he's been in there with some good guys. Like, he's had a loss to John Lineker uh, via decision, and it's not easy to go you know, three rounds with John Lineker. That guy's a, a fucking warrior. So I'm expecting it to be a good fight, but I've definitely got Thomas Almeida in this one. You, you said you had Thomas Almeida as well, correct? Absolutely. All right, man. Um, up next, we have John Volante and Francimar Bassaro, um, or Barrasso, rather. Uh, <clears throat> Volante has been around a while. Jeez, how, how long has he been in the UFC? Let's look up his, his record here. He's been fighting MMA since 2009. Been his, oh yeah, and then Strike Force after that. That's why I know his name for so long. He was in Strike Force since 2011. Made the transition into the UFC. Fought a lot of top guys. Coming off two losses to Shogun Hua and Patrick Cummins. Uh, you know, obviously no slouches there. Another loss to Alir Latifi, Tom Lawler on there, Fabio Maldonado, Ovin Peru. Basically, everyone that he's lost to is a legitimate top 10 top 5 type contender or at least was at the time that they fought uh Fransamar on the other hand <coughs> excuse me 
coming off of a loss, decision loss. I mean, you got any thoughts on this one, man? Because I figure this is probably Volante's fight to lose. Like, I, I think he's going to win, is, but I think, you know, it's one of those things, like, I think it's going to be, if he if he slips up, he could lose, but I think Volante is is the clear favorite in this one, at least in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's always interesting when you have two guys coming off a loss uh, fighting each other, um, as is the case in this fight. So I agree. I mean, I, I, I could agree and say, like, hey, he could lose this fight, but I'm going with Volante as well. I don't think – I mean, the level of competition Volante's used to Volante's used to versus, you know, I, I mean, I just – I, I – you right, you lost the couple fights last year to Shogun, and then yeah, – I mean, you know, and I just – I don't see – a problem uh, with, with, with those losses, whereas Barroso, I don't think the level of competition that he's faced is as strong, and I just, you know, hey, but that's why that's why these fights are set up by these matchmakers, because, hey, anything could happen, but if I got to pick, yeah, I'm going with Volante for sure. Yeah, for sure. I also want to mention that I just noticed that Gleason Tibu, Tibau, Tibau, that's how it's pronounced, uh, is fighting on the prelims on fight pass in the first fight that dude's been around for freaking forever uh he's fighting islam makayev i think is how you yeah. pronounce it makayev uh some one of those Nurmagomedov russian last names yeah um, but you know i i think i actually i was really shocked they put that fight so far down on the card because and maybe that's just to you know give the the fox or the uh excuse me the fight pass fans something to be happy about because honestly i saw that fight and i was kind of excited to watch that fight but not sure i'm going to be able to because i'll be working for the first for the most part of this card but you know um yeah i mean i think that's going to be great um it's it's you know tebow gave habib Nurmagomedov his toughest fight in in the ufc and, and probably in mma to this day um and a lot of people actually argued that habib didn't win that fight uh, I, I thought it was a close fight, but you know I could have seen why they, I could see why they gave him the win. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, Tebow was able to do something that most other people haven't been able to do, and that was stop Habib's grappling. And and he didn't do it fully. I mean, uh, apparently nobody can do that. But he he stopped a lot of Habib's takedowns in that fight. And I, I mean, it's it's always fun to watch the dude come out, and especially to see him fighting. You know, a guy from the same region as Habib, and you know, I I think it's a point is I think it's a good fight, and I can't believe it's all the way down with that undercard. So yeah, I think you're right about them putting that on Fight Pass to try to kick the night off like with a bang, and to get more eyes over on the Fight Pass uh, portion of the show, because Islam's last he's coming off of two wins. He's only lost once in his career. It was three fights back, and he's coming off of a win against Nick Lentz, who's by no means a slouch whatsoever. Nick Lentz is a really good, tough fighter, so that'll be a great fight. Um, definitely wanted to mention that because I just noticed it was on the show, so very cool. Uh, up next on the main card, we've got Kelvin Katar. I believe that's how it's pronounced, Kelvin Katar. Cater, uh, Cater. Cater, thank you. Um, and he's fighting Shane Burgos or Burgos. I'm so bad with these names. Like, between... Yeah. Between MMA and pro wrestling at this point, my mind's like so over overloaded on the amount of crazy names that are in like my memory bank right now that I can't even can't even remember stuff anymore at this point. But like, the, this is gonna be an interesting fight because you said Kadar is how it's pronounced. Kadar. Yeah, Kadar. Yeah. Kadar. Um, I looked him up on SureDog because he didn't have a Wikipedia page, and it looks like he's seventeen and two. With most of win- most of his wins coming by decision, but he's also got uh, six KO TKOs in his career. Also, um, I don't know if he's is this his UFC debut. That's what I'm assuming. So his his debut was actually in July on the John Jones and Daniel Cormier two card. Oh, he and beat he Andre Feely. Andre Feely. Yeah. yeah, I actually remember this now. Okay, and I knew this guy looked familiar. I'm looking at a picture of him on on the internet right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, so and, he, he looked real impressive. I mean, especially for a debut against a guy from Team Alpha Male like Feely. I mean, to even win the fight in the first place is a big, big thing for him. But at this, uh, the way he did it, I mean, he didn't straight dominate him, but he he won the fight. I mean, he won 30-27 on one judge's scorecards. I think 29-28 on the other. But or maybe it was all three 30-27. But either way, 
I mean, he finished every round strong. He really, you know, it took him about three minutes in the first round to kind of find his range and get going. But once he did, I mean, he just kind of put it on him, and I, I thought he won every round. And, yeah, I mean, a really impressive debut for him. And, and, you know, with that being said, so Shane Burgos' last fight was against a guy named Godafredo Pepe, I believe. And the guy is bleach blonde hair. He's got that whole, like, crazy, you know, fighter look with all the tattoos, and, and he fights exactly the same way. I mean, the guy was... It was really impressive to watch that fight because Pepe was just unloaded on these like really high risk strikes, like you know wheel kicks or spinning back fists, and, and constantly using these strikes and throwing with like full power for most of the fight, and still not completely gassing out by the end. But Shane Burgos just was able to—he's got really, really great boxing, and I mean he was just able to touch him up, and he got his jab working for him, and he got the—he started timing wild strikes from Pepe and really just kind of lining him up and he, he got me I mean props to both of those guys that was a great fight man I mean they were both taking shots and that's that's the other thing I was going to say about Shane is the dude can take a fucking punch um, and honestly his cardio looked great I mean I, I if I've got a pick in this fight Cater looked great in his first fight but I'm picking Burgos I just think he's you know he looked like the cleaner of the two fighters he had great great boxing he, he was you know from a technical standpoint he, he was like pretty much getting in the pocket with this guy but slit like slipping everything and then throwing his own counter perfectly his eyes were wide open the whole time he wasn't you know he didn't really get fainted i mean he really looked good uh, i was real especially you know not, I, I, my, I myself didn't even know who godfredo pepe was until yesterday but watching that fight I mean, the fan. There was not a single fan sitting down. It was earlier in the card, so the stadium wasn't even close to full. But I mean, there was every fan who was there was on their feet. It was an incredible fight, and I expect this fight to actually be the same way. Also, Burgos is ten and zero, um, so this is it's his third fight or fourth fight in the UFC. This will be, and I, I think it's going to be a great fight, man. Like honestly, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm more excited for this fight than the title fights. That'd be a lie, but. This fight is gonna. I'm telling you, this is gonna be a fun fight to watch. I think, and it's definitely one of those that everybody's sleeping on. Cause yeah, there's no star power in either of those names. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't even know who they were until yesterday. But man, like, definitely, definitely, some both of those guys are explosive. They're they go for it. They don't just sit back. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a fun fight to watch, man. Yeah, man, I agree. Fight of the night candidate, honestly. Yeah, and I know. Uh... Burgos has that fight of the night against uh, Charles Rosa a couple fights back when he knocked him out in the third round. And Rosa is a really tough, dangerous fighter. So, like, getting a knockout win over him in a fight of the night for uh, for Burgos is a that's a big feather in your cap. So I'm I'm looking forward to this fight too. I've got Burgos also uh, for the record. I think that he's going to win this one. But I hope it's a really good fight, man. And it's that that's what this undercard of the main card is going to need is. Three good fights to keep just keep the fans engaged, keep the fans going, hyped up, leading into the uh, the double main event, uh, the two title fights, which we'll start talking about right now. Uh, before we get into like actual predictions, I guess, uh, how pumped I guess on a scale of like one to ten are you for Cormier and Ozdemir and Miocek and and Because this these back to back fights are uh, this is pretty fucking sick to get these two fights on the same show. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of said, like, what you've been saying about this undercard on the main card, that shows how strong these co-main events are because the, the power that just these two fights bring to this card. I mean, I, I will say this. I think this is going to be more of a fight fan's fight card, which is awesome. As a fight fan, I don't need, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, Cody Garbrandt or Conor McGregor or John Jones on a card to make me want to watch it. In fact, this card is like, kind of the epitome of what you look for as a fight fan. I mean, like we were just talking about, these three undercard fights, they're not bad fights, they just don't have star power behind the names. Right. And I think they're going to be great fights. I think if, if you know, people are sitting down and watching these fights, are going to start, you, even if they don't remember their names, they're going to be like, oh, I remember watching that fight because it was a great fight. And honestly, a lot of the times I think you see in these, these cards, you know, when, they, when the guys get to a certain point with, with that celebrity or with that 
and they feel like they have to protect a reputation, that's when you see them start taking less risks and less chances. Whereas these guys are these guys are still looking to make a name for themselves, like Shane Burgos. These guys are the ones who are willing to go for it. And I, I swear, dude, I think they put on the better fights a lot of the times. Um, so I think you're going to see that going into this this double main event, this co-main event. But at the same time, I mean, these main events. I mean, yeah, we can start talking about Cormier and Ozdemir. I mean, you got a guy who's been just dropping people in Ozdemir, and then a guy in Daniel Cormier, who, as we've talked about before, is arguably one of the top three pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Um, and and just in his ability to straight dominate everyone except John Jones. And even then, he was beating John Jones until he got caught by the head kick. But John Jones popped for steroids after that, sir, for, for advanced substance. So, I mean, I don't consider that a loss. There, I, mean, I don't think anybody considers that a, that a loss. It's cheating. Well, it's, well um, and it was taken off of his record. Like, that was, you know, it's a no contest for, like, yeah, the record it, books. So As it should be. Yeah. I and mean, cheated. And it's made, obviously, people skeptical of their first fight because that was i believe that was pre-usada and everything so like their drug testing protocol and stuff was like way different uh so it's like you know we could say this about a lot of fighters obviously a lot of there's a lot of fighters who were getting away with taking a lot of stuff before they started doing this strict drug testing that they do now but even people like myself kind of you know i almost discredit the first loss to jones because i'm like this guy's been caught multiple times with multiple banned substances, like, in my opinion, I just, I feel like, you know, you you have a track record of doing this, then it just makes me think you've been doing it the whole time. And you, and, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you can't, it's hard to do, like, you can't accuse somebody of something, of being guilty of something when, like, you can't prove it. But when you have the track record and stuff, and it's just kind of like, you know, and then you also see that DC has beaten everybody else he's fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight throughout his career. Two weight classes. The one dude he has issues with is this dude who's consistently been popping for banned substances. So it's like, I almost like discredit both of those losses to Jones. Like, I almost just say like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, those didn't even happen. Cormier is the man. But, you know, it just, that's just my mindset. You know, and, and, and like I said, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't take the, the first win away from Jones because he didn't pop for anything at that time. But, I mean, who's to say that he wasn't on stuff then, too? I mean, it's totally possible that he was. Well, I agree, and I don't think it's that crazy to accuse him. Or maybe to not, okay, there's no formal indictment or accusation here, but to think, for, for an individual to think, hey, this guy's been popping on his whole career, and especially when they started doing a stricter drug testing, then there's no reason not to think that he wasn't taking, you know, the same substances or these these substances that maybe he was more easily able to hide or whatever throughout his whole career. There's no reason to think that he wasn't. I mean, why, you know, these guys will take any edge they can get as they should up to the point of cheating, obviously. But here's the thing is that, you know, when, when, you, when you can't, I mean, good God, you, you had to pull out of their first scheduled rematch because you popped hot. Then you fought the second time and you popped out again. I mean, it's it's insane. There's no reason they failed for cocaine earlier in his career. There's no reason to think that John Jones hasn't been taking these substances the entire time. And as far as I'm concerned, I hope this is the last time we talk about John Jones on one of these podcasts because he's not even he's not relevant. He doesn't matter. He's a cheater. He's never going to be good without his drugs. He, he'll be okay. Let me rephrase that. He could be good, but how good could he really be? We don't know. And that's the problem. We don't know. You have too many guys who are doing it the right way, like Daniel Cormier, like Demetrius Johnson, like Khabib Nurmagomedov, and you you have then you have the guys who aren't. And you know what? At, at, at some point, you have to realize that the difference between these guys is much greater than I think we even might you might think it is just from watching their separate fights, because half of the guys we're talking about are on fucking steroids or on some kind of growth hormone or human growth hormone or, or some kind of performance enhancing drug. I mean, it's fucking bullshit. If you can't compete without a PED, you're not a competitor. So at some point, I do think you almost have to write off these guys who keep popping hot like John Jones. John Jones, as, as uh, Dana White said, is probably the biggest waste of talent in all of sports history. I agree with that statement, but that's what he is. And that's all he is. He's a waste of talent. End of story. There's no reason he should be on the pound for pound list. 
he's not. Uh, you can't call him a great fighter until you can see what he can do when he's not fucking failing drug tests. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, you're right. I hope that's the last time we talk about Jones, unless the next time we're talking about him is because he's being reinstated or because there was a, you know, uh, a mistake with this test or something. You know, like I want to. Uh, you know, we the one thing we do have to do, he has a track record, but the one thing we do have to do is wait out this this current process because they're still investigating what even happened and how long his suspension will be if he even gets one. It sounds like he's for sure going to get a suspension. It sounds like he for sure was in the wrong, but they're still doing their their process and trying to figure out, you know, what the what the deal is. You know, Daniel Cormier, I've heard him say multiple times, like, Give him whatever the fuck he wants. I don't even care. Like, fuck this guy. Like, put him back in the octagon with me. I will not lose to him a third fucking time. Like, fuck, like he he wants John Jones so bad after all this. But that's all we're getting. What we're getting tonight, or on Saturday night, Daniel Cormier versus Vulcan Ozdemir. And like you were saying before, Ozdemir just sleeps people. He, he's only going to be in his fourth UFC fight uh, against Cormier. So that's definitely worth noting. I mean... Very little experience in big fights. Um, while Cormier has the exact opposite. He's only been in big fights his entire MMA career. Ever since being thrown into strike force and basically being thrown in untested into that heavyweight uh, strike force tournament and then winning it as an alternate. Um, ever since then, I mean, just win after win, title after title. The guy's a, you, know, you mentioned it before, he's one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. Uh, he's one of the best pound for pound fighters of all time, in my opinion, when you really look at it. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to this fight. My thing, though, is, <coughs> excuse me, as far as a prediction and stuff, I just don't see a scenario where Cormier doesn't just ragdoll Ozdemir. Like, like no matter how much power Ozdemir has, if he can catch Cormier, he can catch Cormier. I mean, I'm not saying that Ozdemir is incapable of, of landing some big shots on Cormier and possibly putting him down. Like, we've seen... We saw Rumble Johnson tag Cormier good. We've obviously obviously seen John Jones do it and that kind of stuff. But inexperience plus very little proven wrestling skill against the best wrestler in the division, former Olympic wrestler. I mean, just Cormier is like he's like just like the general. It sounds so corny, but he's just like the general like he's just a winner. Like when you think of like 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 a personality trait of a winner, that's Daniel Cormier. Like, the guy's an Olympian. He's a good dude. We've seen him kind of be a crybaby and stuff at times, but the scenario's definitely called for it. And I just, I mean, I hope this is a great fight, and it's cool to see Ozdemir get this chance, but I just don't see Cormier having a problem with him, especially with the wrestling aspect. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts going into this one, and who do you have winning? I have Cormier winning nine out of ten times. Um then the one time is just because he gets caught, but at the same time, it's exactly that. This is Ozdemir's fourth fight in the octagon. He's never, ever been in the octagon with somebody with with even close to Daniel Cormier's wrestling and grappling caliber. I mean, not even close. So, yeah, he's been knocking guys out, and then, you know, big, big uh, names like, uh, oh, I'm blanking, the British dude he just knocked out. He was on the Oh, Jimmy Manuel? Jimmy Manuel, thank you. It looked like he was on the path to the title shot, and and then he just gets fucking slapped by Ozdemir. Oh yeah, round. dude, I chose I, mean, I chose Manuel. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to mention I I chose Manuel on Atlanta radio. On a, I was on an Atlanta radio station doing the the predictions for that show, and was like, just like made it so clear, like, oh yeah, Manuel's got this. Like, there's no way. And then Ozdemir just made me look like an idiot on on live radio. <laughs> um, so. You know, I'll never forget that. Ozdemir really got my attention on that one. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, that was the biggest win of his career by far. And it got him a title shot. But here's the thing. You know, Daniel Cormier, Anthony Johnson is a different kind of power. In fact, the only two people who I even think come close are Tyron Woodley and then obviously, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, Francis and Gunner. And Anthony Johnson just wrecks people. I mean, he, he's one of those dudes, like, you know, most of the time you're watching a fight, and it's a fight, so these two guys are getting in there knowing, you know, hey, like, I'm in a fight, and I understand the risk I'm taking. 
But it's a different level of risk, I think, when you fight somebody like Francis Ngannou or like Anthony Johnson because they hit their, – their power is just on a different level. And it's the kind of shit that like – I mean they could literally – and I don't mean this to be – to turn like real violent, but they could theoretically kill somebody with their bare hands. And oh, dude, Ngannou almost – Ngannou looks like he almost killed fucking Alistair Overeem. <laughs> I mean like an Overeem is like the most decorated striker in MMA history probably if you look at his kickboxing background like – I mean, and he he snapped his neck back and looked like, I mean, because the reason I even brought that up is like, and I'm sure we were going to talk about it in the main event, but I mean, when you have that kind of knockout power where you can do that to Alistair Overeem, like if you would have landed that shot against like, like a mid-level MMA fighter, he might have killed him. Yeah, and I, I agree, and you're right, we will, trust me, we will, I, I was totally planning on talking about that fucking car accident in the ring of a shot that Overeem took, I mean. <laughs> that was a good point you brought up too about you know will Cormier's chin be any different you know now that he's been knocked out by John Jones and <coughs> excuse me and you know on the flip side of that if if I can look at one positive that came out of that situation like one uh I guess silver lining even though this is obviously just kind of playing devil's advocate because nobody ever wants to get knocked out like that's obviously never the plan you never want that to happen but if you are going to get knocked out for the first time and you don't know what it's like and you're even because there's got to be something about I'd imagine as a fighter, a high level fighter, there's some sort of something in your brain that tells you like, that it, you know, you're scared in some way, shape or form of getting knocked out because it's never happened. You don't know what it's like. You don't want that embarrassment, like all that stuff, all those factors like in like even though you're a professional fighter, it's got to be scary knowing that that's possible and Maybe that will wind up helping Cormier from the sense of, like, it's happened to him. Now he knows what it's like. He knows how it feels. He's dealt with it. He's been through it. And it technically never happened. Like, he never really, like, on his record it doesn't show. Nobody considers that a loss. You know, if his chin didn't take any actual physical damage, like, if, if, if this doesn't, if that kick didn't actually affect him long term for, like, being able to take a shot, maybe it'll help him mentally because now he's, like, shit, I know what this is like, I've been through it, I went through it, like, my body's felt it, my mind's felt it, like, I know that I can survive it, I feel fine, I felt fine right after, maybe he'll be even, you know, maybe that kind of fear aspect will be gone because he's been through it, who knows? Absolutely, and I mean, I don't think even, you know, he's never been the type of dude to look scared of, to be scared of anyone, and and if you could walk in there with Anthony Johnson and, and do what you did to him, that only has to help your confidence too, but it's absolutely true to know to for him to now know what that feels like and to realize like, hey, like it's not the end of the world. Like, and, and like you said, even better, it's not on my record because the guy's a cheater. And you know, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, and it could maybe what it does too is make him want to work on his striking even more just to make sure he doesn't get caught with a high kick like that again or something. Who knows? I mean, you you have to. As, a, as anybody who gets to that level of anything in life, you have to learn at some point along the way to turn negative experiences into positive results. 
And if anybody can do that, like you said, it's this guy who is just an all-around winner in Daniel Cormier. If there's anybody who has the, the mentality and the positive attitude and, the, and just the, the fight intelligence and, 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 and uh, you know, disciplinary intelligence to do that, it's Daniel Cormier. So I, I definitely think, if anything, it, does, it doesn't hurt him in the long run. It just helps him unless there's yeah, actual physical lasting damage. But, right. Which, you know, is, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I've been watching this a long time, as have you. It's pretty uncommon that one knockout screws your chin up forever. So, I mean, the accumulation of, of a handful of those, absolutely. But one time, this might wind up just only helping Cormier. We'll just kind of call it, like, maybe you got a little calloused there. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, dude, let's talk about this main event. This This is... I don't want to take any words out of your mouth because I'm sure you have a lot to say about it. I'll just give a little a little lead in and let you take it away. But this is, uh, in my opinion, stylistically, this is probably the best heavyweight matchup that I can remember the UFC putting on definitely in a long time, possibly ever, as far as like two guys who can really knock each other out. It feels like a, like a Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield type level of heavyweight fight. I mean, this is, this is a big deal. And it's two guys who have sick knockout power who both like to finish fights early um you know we talked about it with Nganu snapping Overeem's neck back and, and neck and head back and knocking him out the way that he did uh he apparently has like the the number one uh I remember the sports science did that thing about Nganu's punching power is like the number one hardest punch that they've ever recorded of any athlete and I mean this fight is just it's awesome you know I I tweeted I actually got retweeted by Ariel Hawani when I when I said it it was really nice of him to do cuz it brought me a lot of attention but he he had a Miocek was on Hawani's show at the MMA hour a couple weeks ago and he said that he feels like the UFC wants Ngannou to win this one like they're trying to build this star they they would love for Ngannou to be to be the champion and Miocek's sitting here going like he wants to play spoiler. Like you know, this is this is my title. I'm the defending, you know, reigning champion. Put the attention on me. Don't you know? Forget this guy over here. He hasn't done anything. I mean, obviously he's knocked out some great fighters, but he hasn't won the title. And and you got this champion Miocek here, who is a well-spoken guy. He's a funny guy. He's a part-time fighter who's the champion of the world, who also is a firefighter full-time. I mean, he's a very marketable guy himself that they haven't really gotten fully behind, I feel like. Or at least he feels that way, at least. Um, as far as this fight goes, I'm going to get your full breakdown on it, but I'll give you my quick prediction. Actually, God, this is, like, impossible to predict because if it stays standing, I don't think that it, I don't think anyone can fuck with Nganu standing right now. I just don't, I just don't see anyone being able to take that punch. But Miocek's got some wrestling that he very rarely uses, and Ngannou hasn't really been put in that spot. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? I'm gonna wait on. I'm gonna wait to get your thoughts before I make myself an official prediction here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said. Um, interesting stylistically, they both show they both have knockout power. But once again, I think you know Stipe Miocek's knockout power is you know not even comparable, nor is anybody's for for other than maybe. Johnson for his weight class, but I mean, when when Francis Ngannou hit Alistair Overeem with that left, that was one of the most violent things I've ever seen in my entire life, and I thought, it's like you said, I mean, Alistair Overeem is this, he's possibly not just in the, definitely in the heavyweight division, the most decorated striker ever, but maybe in all of MMA, and he, he could take a shot, I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, the guy's been kickboxing for years and years and years. But that punch was something that, like you said, it might have killed a lesser man. I mean, that looked like, that was the whiplash of like a bad car accident that, that happened when he took that punch. I, and, and even then, he stayed on the ground stiff as a board for like two to three minutes. So I, th- I actually did think, uh, excuse me, I did thought, he, wow, how do I, I, I actually thought, let me put it that way, that he killed him at the time. Um, when it was I the first, was, we got to mention too, that was the first punch that was even thrown and landed in the whole fucking fight. It wasn't like a war where like he, like he threw one punch and knocked him the fuck out like that. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that's what I mean. So, you know, Stipe, the one thing Stipe has going 
because he doesn't use it that often, so it'll be interesting to see. But his potentially underrated wrestling, he's going to have to take this fight to the ground. I'm not even sitting here, you know, saying that, you know, oh, he, he we'll see. No, if he doesn't take the fight to the ground, he's going to get hurt very, very badly. And, 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 of course, could I be proven wrong? Absolutely. But with a guy like Fred, anybody can stand with him. I mean, I, I, I definitely don't think Stipe is even trying to go in with the game plan of standing with this guy, especially after he saw what he did to Overeem. I, I, if that's your game plan, you might as well, you got to think about it. I mean, let's be real. Stipe's got like a wife and kids. Like, you can't be, you don't want your kids seeing you getting hit like that. Like, nobody, nobody wants to get hit like that, especially when you have so much to lose. You've got to, your game plan has to be here. Take him down and test his grappling. And that's going to be the interesting part about this fight because we don't know what Francis Ngannou's grappling looks like. He's a big, big heavyweight, and you can't blame him for playing by the rules. You know, that's just the way the heavyweight division is. It's so, you know, wide wide as far as the weight goes, um, 205 to 265. But he's a big heavyweight. I, I don't know if he'll have... Uh, we haven't seen him have to use his grappling, so it'll be interesting to see if Stipe can take him down and maybe do the same thing to him that he did to Alistair Overeem. But if he doesn't, and if he can't get him down, and, and, and I guess what we'll also have to see is how good Ngannou's cardio is, too, if it goes three, four, even five rounds. Um, but if it, you just, with a guy like Francis Ngannou, you have to be there in that moment at all times. You can't, go anywhere else for even a split second because if he catches you with that punch with a with one of his punches it's over i mean it, it's it not not just the fight your fucking life could be over so you really got to sit there and, and consider that and you have to think about the mental uh you know the the amount of wear and tear that puts on your mentality going into the fight i mean that fear and that that awareness that this could happen to you and so, so you got to think, I have to think, I guess my, what I'm, what I'm going to say about this is Stipe is going to go in there and try to wrestle him and try to tire him out and hope that he has enough in the tank to finish him, um, maybe in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, depending on what Ngannou's gas tank really looks like, because we haven't really seen him go that far because of his ability. Kind of like a Connor, you know, where he has this ability to knock people out in the first or second round, so you never really see what his capability is in these later rounds. And you got to think with a guy who looks like that, who's that jacked, who's that big, that at some point he is going to get tired if the fight goes that long. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see can Stipe find a way to, to, to draw this fight out and to get Ngannou on the ground because um, he doesn't want to stand with him. Nobody wants to stand with him. You're insane to try to stand with that guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, prediction... I gotta say, I think Ngannou, well, you know, the UFC wants it, of course they do, because it's knockout power, it's the stuff everybody wants to see, it's the heavyweight champion that everybody wants to see, even though Stipe's been knocking people out too, Junior Dos Santos, Salazar Overeem, uh, Fabricio Verdum, I mean, those are his three, his three title, he won the title against Verdum, so I mean, he's, you know, he's he's done well for himself, and you're, maybe he's right in being a little upset that the UFC hasn't gotten behind him as much as they maybe should. But at the same time, do I think they want Ngannou to win this fight? I absolutely do. And do I think Ngannou could win this fight in highlight fashion? Absolutely. Um, so I'm going with Ngannou. I love Stipe. I love, obviously, how can you hate the guy? Fucking civil servant. You know, he does this on the side. Like, he's just like what everybody could aspire to be as a human being. But at the same time, you know, you got to keep personal feelings and, and emotions about whether you think somebody's a good person or not out of the ability to f see somebody's talent and skill in within a uh, the confines of the sport and to me Francis Ngannou is is, is the former or is the future heavyweight champion and you know what uh, the fight I want to see most as much as awesome as a fight as this is is Cain Velasquez coming back and fighting a guy like Francis Ngannou that's what I want to see so that's that's what I'm thinking happens. I think Ngannou wins this fight in the first or second round by knockout, and and then hopefully Kane can get healthy and come back and fight him. Man, good stuff. I 
it, there's so many options that they've got with well how this fight could go and then options going forward after this fight. I mean, this is such a hard fight to predict with Miocek and Ngannou because, <coughs> excuse me, like you said, it's just, God, I'm just really thinking, like, who am I going to go with? Because I think Miocek, if, if Miocek can wrestle him, if he can take him into later rounds, if he can tire him out, I think Mio, this Miocek has a very, very good chance of winning if he can do those things. Um, but what worries me about Miocek is his fight with Overeem, especially, where he got put down in the first round and almost guillotine choked. And that was almost like Overeem kind of just dropped the ball there. I don't know what happened there. He, Overeem, you know, knocks Stipe on his back with a with a punch, almost knocks him out, jumps onto him. Instead of ground and pounding, goes for a guillotine, which he's he's got a great guillotine, and just somehow just doesn't execute it. And Stipe gets out, like, even though I feel like 99 times out of 100, you know, and got or uh, Overeem would would be able to finish the fight right there. Like I, I was really surprised he couldn't get the job done. And then obviously, you know, major props to Stipe for the way he came back and won that fight. And I believe he knocked him out while he was still in like half or full guard. Like he was like on the ground with Overeem defending it and just raining punches and got the knockout. Um, so, but but the reason I bring that up is because if Overeem can tag you and put you down like that. And Ganu's putting you to sleep easy if he if he gets you with a shot even remotely close to that. Um, God, it's tough, man. It's so tough because they also have these options too, where like you mentioned, you know, Cain Velasquez possibly coming in uh, whenever he's healthy again and fighting and Ganu if he's the champion. What I'm hearing too is that if Stipe retains and Cormier retains, Cormier has gotten the blessing from uh, Velasquez to go back up to heavyweight and challenge uh, Stipe. So we'd have Cormier moving up to challenge Stipe for the heavyweight title next if both guys retain, which I would love to see. Um, man. God, I don't even... I really don't know who to pick between Nganu and Miocek. Like, my heart's saying Nganu because how do you look at that guy's knockout power? You know, granted, he's a little less experienced. He has, you know, less big fights, not as many big names, you know, his biggest name is being Arlovsky and Overeem, who are on the on the decline of their careers. Um, but they're also guys that Miocek has fought too, so it's it's hard to. My heart's telling me Ngannou. My mind's telling me Miocek, though, because I, you've got to imagine all Miocek is doing this training camp is is practicing avoiding the big shots and getting close enough to to close the distance and either get him up against the cage to tire him out, get him down with a takedown ground and pound wrestling like his entire training camp has got to be based around not trading hands with Nganu. but part of me also thinks that his ego might be involved where I think he might want to prove that he can knock out Nganu. and if he does that he's going to go to sleep because I do not see him putting out Nganu before Nganu can put him out oh my god I'm taking Francis Nganu for the win but Jesus Christ that's a that is such a good fight. You know it's a good fight when, like, I really... It's really up in the air. Like, it's a 50-50 for me, but I'm going to go in Ganu because of what he's done and just knowing that he has that ability to just put your lights out literally with the first punch of the fight. And if he has five rounds to, to potentially land that shot, that's that's 25 minutes he's got to work with to land one big shot. I think it's I think it's something he could definitely do. So I'm going to take Francis and Ganu in this one officially, but my God, that's a great fight. break it if he if he wins he'll be the sole person to get three title defenses at heavyweight so that's insane when you think about it and still nobody's given him the 
credit. But I think in this fight, they're not giving him the credit because Francis Ngannou just wrecks people. And so it's, it's a little bit of a different situation. But at the same time, I mean, it's dude, it's a great fight. And, and, and you know, the heavyweight division, I will say this too, is not the most talent-rich division in MMA. I don't think that's a secret to anybody. Um, it's not... You know, I could never, I don't think I could ever call Stipe the number one pound for pound fighter in the world with the way the division looks. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's not like he ruins people. It's like you said, he got caught by Overeem. Even Dos, uh, Junior Dos Santos was hurting him with leg kicks before he caught him. I mean, to a point where I think if that fight had gone any longer, like any more rounds, uh, Miocic would have had a lot of trouble walking on that leg um, and, and getting anything really big done after that point so he finished it when he needed to good on him for doing that but the point is he's proven that he can be put in bad situations and he gets through them but not with you don't get out of a bad situation like that with Francis Ngannou if he touches you you're going to sleep um so it, it will be interesting I agree this is a great fight this these two title fights are going to be awesome the rest of the card I think will be a lot of fun to watch and yeah I mean what more can we say Last question I got for you before we get out of here. If Miocek does win this fight, regardless of how he wins, whether it's spectacular fashion, decision, whatever, um, you know, you got to keep into consideration, obviously, guys like Fedor Emelianenko, uh, guys like Fabricio Verdum, who, you know, have beaten... For Verdum, really, if you look at his resume, he's got a really impressive, a really impressive wins over really the best names out there, you know, like Fedor, like Cain Velazquez, who I'm about to mention... That kind of stuff, you know. You gotta, you gotta put Verdum's name in this hat for what I'm about to ask. Um, you of course got to put Velazquez. I think Velazquez would would be considered the best heavyweight fighter of all time if he was more active, if he could stay uninjured. Like I think he, I think Velazquez is the best. Like if you look at every heavyweight fighter ever, you look at their skill set, what they do to people in the octagon, who they fought, uh, the the skill set, you know, getting better and better. Uh, throughout the years, I think you got to look at Velazquez as possibly the best of all time up to this point at heavyweight. But with if Miocic wins this fight, he gets that record, um, and he takes out Ngannou, regardless of how it is. Would you consider Stipe at that point to be the best uh, heavyweight fighter of all time in UFC history? It's really tough because of what exactly what you just said. Cain Velazquez and Fabrizio Verdum are the other two guys who I would be talking about. Um, and, you know, Stipe already knocked out Fabricio, so there's that. Um, and I want to rephrase, I'm sorry, I want to I want to rephrase, best UFC fighter in heavyweight, or uh, best MMA fighter in heavyweight history is what it meant. I realize I said UFC, I threw Fedor in that in that mix, and he was never a UFC fighter. So in general, I guess in all of MMA, would you consider Stipe to be the, the top heavyweight? I just want to make sure to rephrase that question. Sure, yeah, and, and we can talk about, just to bring up Fedor real quick, yeah, he was great, but he never fought in the UFC. Right, 100%. How can he be called the greatest when you're not fighting the best? I mean, or how can he be called the best when you're not fighting the best? Like, I'm not saying the guy wasn't... He, could, he might have been the greatest of all time, maybe, but we'll never know, because he, he was fighting a bunch of guys that, you know... What, did he fight Andre Arlovsky on his while he was in his decline? Like, who gives a shit? In Affliction, um, yeah, the that Affliction yeah. show. I mean, who cares? Like, nobody cares, because you're not over here doing it with the best of the best. So maybe Fedor steps in with Stipe and ruins his life back when he was in his prime, but maybe not, and we'll never know. So I, I it's, this, it's kind of a similar thing with John Jones. Like, I know people talk about Fedor and blah, 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 but guess what? He got caught by Fabrizio in a triangle chip. And he's lost a couple since then, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure he lost yeah. to, uh... I think he lost pretty recently. Well, yeah, Bigfoot Silva, like, right after he lost to Verdum, he, he got knocked out by Bigfoot Silva. Yeah. He also got knocked out by Dan Henderson in the first right, round. That's what was, yeah. Now, but also, to be fair, Fedor's legacy really is from his days in Pride, where he was beating guys like Minotaur Noguera and Crow Cop, and those guys, when they were at their prime, and, and most of the main heavyweight fighters in the world we're fighting in pride not the ufc but i i totally i'm with you where when he had the opportunity to make the jump after pride was purchased and he never came over and they were doing everything they could to get him a fight with brock lesnar they were doing everything they could to get him signed to the ufc multiple times and he would never come over and then like more recently i think his last like 
I guess you'd call it a big win, if you even want to call it that, was he, uh, I believe they gave him the decision over for uh, Fabio, Mal- Fabio Maldonado uh, like a year or two ago. And it was a fight that he got his ass kicked in, but like it was in Russia. So it was clearly home cooking with the judges. Um, but anyway, that's off topic. But as far as Miocek, would, would you put Miocek in, uh, above uh, Velazquez at this point? If he was to, to beat Ngannou? Because it sounds like you're leaning Velazquez is probably the best up to this point. Well, so here's how to segue from what we were just talking about, too, I think, is that that was then, and this is now, when MMA is at its, the highest point it's ever been. So even if guys were doing it really well 10, 15 years ago, the level of competition nowadays is just different. And, you know, you have a guy like Caden Velasquez, you have a guy like Junior Dos Santos, you have a guy like Fabrizio Verdum, you have... I mean, you, you do have, I'm not saying, like I said, the heavyweight division is not the most stacked division as far as talent goes, but goddamn, are there some good guys in there. And it might not be lightweight where you just got fucking savages up and down the, the lineup, but there are some good guys in there. And Stipe Miocic has beaten Fabrizio Verdum. He's beaten Alistair Overeem. He, I, I mean, you know, it's, he's beaten Junior Dos Santos. So you can't just like write him out of the conversation but is he better than Kane when Kane's healthy that's the real question I would have to say no but at the same time injuries are part of the sport and if Kane can't stay healthy then that's on that's partially I mean, that's 100% his problem not Stipe Miocic's Stipe obviously does something right in his ability to get to the fight in the first place so it's, it's kind of a weird you know a weird scenario where hopefully one day we'll find we'll have them going toe to toe, or we'll have Ngannou and and uh, uh, Kane going toe to toe, and 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 we'll see. I mean, for now, let's let I, I say we let Stipe fight Francis because otherwise, like you know, we could say he's the greatest, even better than Kane, and then Francis knocks him out in the first minute. Sure. And then what? Then what does it matter? You right. Know what I mean? So I think if he beats him, though, you can't beat. Can't keep his name out. I think he's within. I think it's between him and Kane. Um, and, and even then, like, uh, what Kane? I know Travis Brown hasn't been having great fights lately. He's kind of on his own uh, little slump. But what Kane Velasquez did to him was just savage. And what he does to everybody, what he did to Junior Dos Santos in their second fight. I mean, he's he just mauls people. And so it'll it'll be interesting. I, I think that's a question that we'll have to address in the future. I don't think there's enough information, I guess, to say right now that Stipe is definitively better than Cain Velasquez. But if after this weekend he does find a way to beat Ngannou, he definitely helps his argument tremendously in that case. Oh, yeah, man. I couldn't agree more. And, yeah, speaking of that Travis Brown fight, we saw Cain. That was at UFC 200, I believe. And that was where we saw Cain starting to incorporate spitting heel kicks into his game. So, I mean, that's, (laughs) I mean, that guy is just, an absolute monster, an athletic freak. So I hope he gets healthy soon because we, as MMA fans, I feel like we're being deprived of seeing, you know, potentially the best heavyweight fighter of all time, like we've been saying, with Velasquez being out so much. So hopefully he's back soon. But as far as this fight card goes, you couldn't be any more on the money. You know, this is a great fight. The The undercard fights, the main card, are, are they're not names, but they're good matchups. They should be very entertaining fights. And of course, I mean, how can you go wrong with a double main event? We have the two, the I, I I can't say the two top titles in the UFC, but the two top titles from a, a weight perspective are on the line uh, this night. And of course, you know, regardless of who's fighting, when it's the heavyweight championship of any organization, you know, that's the big boy title. I mean, the heavyweight title, that's the baddest man on the planet. If, we're, if Francis Ngannou wins this fight especially, it's going to be hard to deny that that dude's the baddest man walking the planet right now. So, um I'm very much looking forward to the show on Saturday. Ryan, thanks again for coming on the uh, Fight Talk podcast with me today. Is there anything else you want to let the people know before we get out of here? No, thanks for having me. And make sure if you do watch this fight to get there at the beginning of the card. Don't think just because they're, you know, not big names that they're not going to be good fights because they will be. All right, everyone. And that was Ryan Lito once again here on the Fight Talk podcast, breaking down UFC 220. If you like what you heard, please make sure to hit that subscribe and download button on all the episodes of the Fight Talk podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Please do me a big favor, hit the five-star rating, 
and leave me a review as well. It helps the podcast out so much. It really does. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth. If you'd like to support the podcast even more than you already do just by listening, please jump on whatamaneuver.net. That is whatamaneuver.net. Got t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, bunch of different stuff, different logos, new stuff coming soon, but check out what's on there. Every, every cent that I make off of whatamaneuver.net goes right back into making this podcast better for everybody. Makes it better for, for me, makes it better for you guys, uh, better equipment, um, a little extra cash to help me get to some of these shows where I interview wrestlers, interview MMA fighters. Helps me out a little bit, but I assure you that money does go right back into the podcast to make it better for all of us. So once again, that's over at whatamaneuver.net. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter at fighttalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. Got a Facebook group as well to search at Fight Talk Podcast, all one word. Or their words, Fight Talk, should bring it up as well. And I want to give a shout out to my sponsors real quick, and we will get out of here for today. Make sure to check out Brian Jensen. Brian Jensen is a USA boxing instructor. He's got new information. I'm just going to say jump on Instagram, search for Brian. It used to be BMJ MMA. I believe he's changed that recently. He changes his stuff so often that I can't keep up with it, and he doesn't ever leave me updated stuff. So Google Brian Jensen. Uh, Delgado Boxing has disbanded, and he's doing uh, his own thing as well as working with some gyms out of the Atlanta, Georgia area. So once again, Brian Jensen, boxing coach, Atlanta, Georgia. Find him how you can. Sorry, Brian. Until you get me more better information, that's all I've got for you. Also, make sure to check out Heroes and Legends. Heroes and Legends is a pro wrestling collectible company that specializes in action figures, vintage magazines, programs, DVDs, autograph memorabilia, and other unique pro wrestling memorabilia. Make sure to check them out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HL Pro Wrestling. And I will have their upcoming dates for you shortly. I know they got some big ga- uh, big guests <laughs> coming up. Having a hard time talking. It's a good time to end the podcast. Um, got some big guests coming. Uh, I know Terry Runnels will be with them for an upcoming appearance. And I'll get you some dates on that soon. But like I said, stay up to date with what they do over there at HL Pro Wrestling on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Heroes and Legends, thanks again for being a part of the Fight Talk podcast. Also, shout out to WrestleRumble.com. Last but never least, man, great stuff. The Royal Rumble Pick'em Contest is going to be opening any second if it hasn't already. The prize list is insane. I've got a sneak peek at some of the prizes. I know there's more to come. I can tell you this. First place for the Royal Rumble Pick'em Contest at WrestleRumble.com is going to be $1,000 cash. That's $1,000 cash, if you didn't hear me right. Um, there might be something else along with that. I'm not sure, but $1,000 cash, 100% first place. I know second place will be getting $100 cash and a replica WWF Winged Eagle Championship belt. So that is fucking insane. Great stuff. And I know there's going to be cash and prizes for third place, fourth place, fifth place. Uh, maybe some other stuff too that I don't know just yet, but I know up to this point, like I said, $1,000 cash for first. 100 cash, and a replica WWF Winged Eagle Championship for second. Many more prizes to come. They got some artwork from uh, ExtraCoolerArt.com, uh, some other places as well. Um, I mean, you know what? I've got the information for Brian Jensen now. Got some, Got someone who sent it to me last second here. I'll, I'll read that to you here in just a second. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as WrestleRumble.com is concerned, just jump on their website, WrestleRumble.com. They're going to have a bunch of questions about the Royal Rumble. You're going to answer questions about, you know, entrance slots. You're going to answer, you're answer questions about uh, how many suplexes Brock Lesnar hits in the title match. I'm assuming that will be on there. But you're basically getting paid money, winning big prizes to armchair quarterback for professional wrestling. So make sure to jump on there once again at uh, WrestleRumble.com and make sure to follow them on Twitter at WrestleRumble to stay up to date with all their contests. And I'm going to mention right now because I have it in front of me now, Brian Jensen's information his new Instagram is Atlanta Boxing Coach. So it's all one word, Atlanta Boxing Coach. Spelled all the way out. Um, looking for some more information here. That's pretty much the majority of what I've got. Uh, he does specialize, as advertised, in a complimentary first session. He'll teach you real boxing. He is a USA boxing amateur and professional coach. He works with a Parkinson's Foundation. And he is actually a... Because I guess you can call it a professor over at Emory University helping out with their program over there. So once again, that's Brian Jensen. I wanted to make sure to get him a proper shout out. Even though it wasn't him who sent me the information, I did get it last minute there. So thank you guys very much for listening. Enjoy UFC 220, and I will be back soon. Hey,